repeat with me, please. Say, rethink, rethink. How, we fight. how we fight. There are two things in the next two weeks I'll talk about. And they are based on a text in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 10. And um, I, I think it's really important for you uh, to, to see how this works. I'm always fascinated when I give the wrong sermon notes up here. It's hilarious to me. It's a part of the journey of life. Last week's sermon. How about this week's sermon? You got that? That's a good thing. You know, it's funny. I'm sitting here looking at notes and thinking, that's last week, isn't it? And this is this week. And so it's all good. Repeat with me, please, the topic. Say, rethink how we fight. The topic today is about fighting. And it's two things that we want to focus on. And there are two things I don't want you to lose track of. And the two things are important. And the reason I give you sermon notes is so that you can, you can go home. And you can never say you didn't have it. You can never say I did not have the notes. Uh, one of the great tragedies of a lot of times, a lot of uh, sermons is you hear them and you just don't remember what you heard. You try. And I have a hard time. And I preach them. And I have to think hard, what did you say? So I try to put it in a format that will help me remember it as well as you. And for us, sermon notes have been a tradition for over 10 years now, and they've really helped, helped me uh, help you. Uh, eventually, they'll be digital. Well, they are digital now, but hopefully you'll pull, pull together a more digital format so you can keep them forever because you're going to lose the paper. Say amen, all right? You don't keep the paper. But I want you to note with me, Two things we're going to talk about today that I think are important. Repeat the topic, please. Say, fight the right fight, fight, the right fight. and fight the right, way. fight the right way. The verse we're going to look at is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And I want you to listen carefully to what Paul said that I think is just fascinating. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is a verse that, that has um, always impressed me because it describes the reality of life. Life is about wrestling. There are moments when you have to fight. There are moments when there's a challenge. I'm not in this sermon calling you to go out and become a person who starts fights. I'm not asking you to become aggressive. I want you to go home and say, preach, don't fight today. I don't want you to do that. I want you to simply understand that there is a part of life that requires um, effort. And Paul understood this. And in his writings, he wanted us to understand the importance of fighting. And he wanted us to understand what fights we should fight and what fights we should not fight. So today we talk about fighting the right fight. Say that one more time. Come on. Fighting. When you go back in your life and you look at the past, what fights did you fight that were unnecessary? If you could think back, and in, in, in these were the fights that I fought that had no value. I did not understand that this was not worth it. I missed the whole point of it. I, I lost my way. I did not fight the right fight. So what fights would you fight and would not fight if you can go back in time? Think about that again. What fights would you fight if you can go back in time, and what fights would you not fight? Some of you say, well, I would not fight for 
what? But I would fight for fill in the blanks. And I mean, I, this was a great question for me all week. I, I thought a lot about this. As a matter of fact, for the last month, I've been thinking about this message. And I, I just really believe it's so easy for us to spend years fighting an issue in a family that has no value. On a job, fighting an issue that has no value. Are you fighting the right fight? Are you engaged in the right emotional issue? Or should this be an issue you just absolutely throw away and say it doesn't matter? Can you sort out the difference between a, a, a worthy fight in a marriage and a foolish fight in a marriage? A worthy fight on the job and a foolish fight on the job. Can you make that distinction? Or are you so wrapped up in the energy of fighting that you no longer know the difference? And so everything is about a fight. And are you the kind of person who's afraid of a fight? You're afraid of any awkward moments. Anything that makes you uncomfortable or anybody else uncomfortable, you stay away from. And so you just let anything happen to you. It doesn't matter. You don't want to challenge anybody. You want to be a boss, but you don't want to rebuke anybody. So you just make everybody happy. That's why you could be, a, if you're not careful, a terrible boss. A great employee, but a terrible boss. Because for you, you'll carry it all night. You'll take it home with you. You cannot confront people. You don't know which fight to fight, so you are distracted. You are a distracted person when it comes to fighting. And it just, it shows up in your money, it shows up in, your, in, the, in the way that you manage your children. I watch parents who have a, a really hard time uh, confronting and, and drawing boundaries. And then I watch parents who are overboard. They fight. They argue, they, the atmosphere, I read this the other day in Tony Evans' new book, um, not new book, but it's on kingdom, um, on kingdom living, and he talked about environment. I thought it was such a great concept. He said, the leader sets the environment. The leader determines how the house feels. How does it feel to be under your leadership? Is it loud and screaming? Is it just you know, aggressive, or is it, is it helpful? Are you a fusser, yeller, screamer? Bad word person. You know what that is, right? You get mad, you say those special words, and it's just, that's the environment you create. Condemning, condescending um, person who doesn't create the right kind of soil for a healthy person to grow in. It's really important what you do, how you respond, you're not going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. I try, but I'm not perfect. I mess up. I get angry. I, I, lose my t I, I lose perspective. I have to rein myself in all the time, every day. Don't do that, Temple. Come here. Come here. That's not, that's not worth that. Let that go. Your thinking is going off track here. I, I mean, all, all the time I'm, I'm knocking. Get back. Get back. Get back. Come on. Come on. Come on, sir. That's not important. That's the wrong fight. And I, I think it really helps me when I understand that when I'm in that moment, it's not just me. Paul said, I'm wrestling not against flesh and blood. There's a spiritual dynamic to the fight. There's a spiritual part to this. There's something at work spiritually. And if I am not careful, I will think it's about my cousin or my friend or my neighbor or the boss and not really understand that there's a spiritual element. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers. And that really is, is and I love the way th those terms are used. It, it really describes an organized um, spiritual attack on my life. That's what principalities are. 
And it's, and it's, it's really structured. Think about how messed up our families are. You couldn't get them that way by accident. It's like it's, it's, like it's been planned. You know, and it's deep. And if you try to change it, it's layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of strife. And you, you find yourself unable, when you're talking to married couples, unable to get them through the issues. They, they just can't. And once you fix one issue, they have another one, then another one, and then another one, then another one. It's, it's a constant layering of issues. And eventually you realize you can't fix it all yourself. You can't, you can't solve all their problems. You can't fix all their issues. You have to really work your way spiritually. And, and I, it, it really is about prayer. Somebody told me this morning we were talking at breakfast, and I was having all these troubles on their job. And I said, what did you do? They said, well, I just pray for those people. I thought, oh, that's so good. She said, I, I, I couldn't fix it, and it's much better. But sometimes it's a spiritual attack. And some of you are under spiritual attack. You're wrestling the wrong person. You're fighting the wrong fight. So let me, if I can, jump in here and give you five, five fight questions you might want to ask yourself. Who do you have the biggest fights with? Who do you have the biggest fights with? Secondly, what issues are you willing to fight for? Do you, do you fight for any issue? Is it doesn't matter what it is. Just because it bothers you. Just because it makes you uncomfortable, are you drawn into a fight? Thirdly, what do, you, what do you mean by fight? When you say fight, do you mean words or do you mean weapons? In this context, I mean prayer. I mean strategies and plans. Say this with me. Say prayer, prayer. Strategies, strategies, and plans. I'm not trying to get you to go out and use weapons on anybody. I'm not getting, trying to get you to go use some harsh words. I want you to sit down and pray first. There's a wonderful movie uh, called The War Room that talks about prayer that I think is just absolutely phenomenal. The makers of the movie, I had a privilege to watch a private showing of it, and I'm telling you, it is absolutely phenomenal because the bottom line of the movie is prayer is where the war should happen. In your prayer war room, which is your prayer closet, there's something about talking to God about issues in your life. The second thing is you need strategies. You can't just pray. You have to have a strategy. Part of the fight has to be a, a, and I believe in a written, specific strategy. I believe that's, that, that changes all of your life. It's what changes businesses. It's what, what changes families. And most of the time when I ask a family, when I ask a person, what is your strategy for your life? You're fighting, but you're fighting how, how with what? what, what's, what so we are, uh, we're back to Monday again. So what's the plan? Okay, we're back to Tuesday again. So what's the plan? What's the strategy for this church, the long-term strategy? And then thirdly, what, you know, what is it, again, not just the strategy, but the specific plans, strategies and plans, same thing pretty much. Number four, have you ever had a, a circumstance where you could not fight back? Now, I'm going to do a study later on in Daniel because I, I, found, I found Daniel to be a fascinating book to teach on fighting because in, in Daniel, they couldn't fight back. They couldn't fight back physically. They were, they, were, they, were under, they were in slavery, and so how do you fight back when you don't have options? How do you fight back when you're in a place and you have to, what I call, fight from where you are? Say it with me, please. Come on. Fight from where you are. If, if you're in a disadvantaged position and you need the job and you can't quit, or you're, you're in a place, when I go to prisons and preach to guys in prison, they, they often ask me how do we 
manage this world we live in. This new assignment I've been on for the Department of Corrections going around all the prisons teaching on choices has been fascinating because normally I do a 30, 45 minute Q&A session with them and sometimes an hour and it's really fascinating to hear women and men talk to me about, about how do I manage the world I'm in? And I, and I tell them you have to understand this is your world. This, this is your place. And so learning to manage from where you are, learning to fight differently. And some of you are in a place you can't get out of. You can't get out of this right now. And so you need to pause and fight from where you are. And we'll talk about that in future teachings. Then number, um, number five, have, if you could go back in time, and this is where we started right now, what would you fight? I want you to, I want you to think, if there's no question you take from here, I want you to take that one back home with you. Now, I gave you seven things that I want you uh, to fight, to look at, what I call what uh, would I fight in hindsight. This is so honest, it's embarrassing, but it's honest. I'm giving you my seven honest answers. This question about what I would fight if I could go back was so profound for me because it, it, it reached down and grabbed my attention and said, Temple, this is an incredibly um, rich and helpful process because it will help you see what to avoid in the future. And when I share this, I think it helps some of you right now. The first thing I would fight is what I call romantic distractions. Say that with me, please. Come on. And this was during my teenage years. And I put, I put the season down here for a reason. I, I'm amazed at how many teenagers really think that the most important thing in their life is to find love. You're 13 and you're trying to find a husband. You're 14 years old and you, your heart's broken over a girl. I mean, it's just amazing. And you, you, you say this to them, you say, you have time. And they go, no, I don't. This is the only one for me. And it's, you're laughing because you have one too. That's why you're laughing. You were the, that's why they're laughing teenagers, because they are all the laughing people were where you are right now. They, they know exactly how it felt, and the butterflies, and the songs, and the love songs. And a lot of, a lot of them are so consumed with this idea that I must find somebody. Everything in the world is centered around that. Here you are in school. And, and, and I don't know if Americans get it. It's free. I mean, just that alone makes many people in the world go, You're, it's free. It's just, it's, it's a free education. Right down the street in Brazil, right down the road, you may think Brazil's on another planet, but it's really here. And there are young people just like you in Brazil. I'll be there in a few months. They're wonderful people. You know, they're just right up the road here in Africa. Wonderful people in Nigeria and Ghana. And they're wonderful people. There are people all over the world in Asia who do not have the same opportunities you have. And you're so consumed. You're so overwhelmed with this whole idea of romantic love. And it's dominating your life. And you're in school and you miss the opportunities. You miss the focus. One of the things many of my friends say who come here who say they're, they're just not focused here. They don't see the opportunities. They miss the chances that they have. You have 48 months to change your life. 48 months in college. You have 48 months and you can change your income, your options, your choices forever. Amen. Forever. forever. You can fall in love later, but forever. 
Secondly, I would fight friendship distractions. Say that with me, please come on. Friendship. Again, teenage years and into the late 20s. For me, you, you, you got to be friends and you got to have friends. And that's the most important thing to you. I've got to have these friends. OK, friends are important. I'm a big friendship guy. I am a big friendship guy. I, I mean, I like my friends. We we howl. We we have we have a ball. I mean, it's just great. Went out to dinner last week with lunch with one of my best, best friends and we swap who pays. And, and it was his turn, my turn, his turn. Last time, this time. Next time is my turn, so we're going someplace real cheap. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh yeah, real cheap. Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, it's, it's just, it, you know, it's, I can't allow that to distract me. You answer the phone because they call all the time. I'm learning you can't answer the phone. You, you, you're allowing a friend to become too important in your life. They can be a great friend, but they can be too important. Here you are in the middle of a very important conversation with your spouse or with somebody or a business deal, and you're answering the phone. For what? Call, I'll call you back. I'm not going to even answer. No. You shouldn't allow that. And you shouldn't be the kind of friend who imposes yourself on people to the degree that you distract them from their assignment. I have a little saying, go be successful. I'll catch you later. That's my little saying. Hey, are you in the middle of something? Hey, hey, we'll talk later. Be successful. Don't, I said, don't answer the phone. You know, don't worry about it. I'll text, don't worry about it. Stop it. You know, we're stopping each other from being successful. Thirdly, I would fight off, watch this now, debt-building decisions in my early 20s and 30s. I call them debt-building decisions. Say that with me, please. Come on. Debt-building Some of you are there. You only, some of you are you know, already built the debt, Pastor. Some of you are building it. The, the decision to build debt, in hindsight, is something I would go back and fight. Do not do this. Do not do this. Do not, do, not, do not sell yourself to a bank or to some institution for the rest of your life. Don't do this. I don't, I don't, need, to, I don't need the car that badly. This car's fine. I can hold off for a minute. I don't need to do that. There's a debt-building decision you can make that can put you in a place where you're at a disadvantage. And, and I, I, I love, look, I love credit cards. I do. I love the convenience of them. I love the fact I can, it feels powerful, too. Just swipe the card, man. You just go, yeah, you know, membership has its privileges and its bondages, too. <laughs> you owe those people. You will never be free. The goal is to be in your life forever. And so you need to pause. And in fact, if I could, I've survived my madness. I'm thankful. You know, you do well and you, you can survive being crazy for a minute. But some people say, man, I'm telling you, this is the one thing. If I could go back, I would say to myself, do not do this. Now, I've, again, survived it. But I'm telling you, I've learned in hindsight. And this is why I'm being really honest. I want, I want to inspire you to not go any further. If you've done this, stop, pull your family on the side of the road and say no. We're not going to go out here and refinance and do stuff like that and, and, and then spend the money. We're not going to just do this. We're not going to just do this. We're not going to just go spend this money on vacations we can't afford. We're not going to pay it back later. If I, and my rule is if I don't have it in the bank today, if I can't pay it today, I just partied yesterday, but I'm paying on Monday. 
partied hard, had a ball. Everybody in the family was, you know, but then it's over. Party's over. Pull the party over. Time to stop. And some of us have never, ever really dealt with that. And so no matter how much God blesses you, if you don't do this, you'll be in trouble. And it's really tragic to live your life being controlled by this. Here's the fourth fight I'd fight. I would fight to have more balance between spiritual and practical planning. Say, please come on. Spiritual and practical planning. Okay, when I ask you, and when I ask people this trick question, so if I've asked you this, you know it's a trick question, right? So what's your dream? I listen for two things. I, I don't really, I listen for the spiritual part. You know, I want to please God and things like that. That's nice to say. Um, but more than that, and I do listen for that. I listen to see if this person in their planning has any, any God in it anywhere. You know, I want to do something to help change the world. I want to be used of God to bring blessing to the poor. I like to hear those kind of things. But then I like to hear some practical planning. Here's what I don't like to hear. I just want to be used to God. I just want God to use me. Whatever he wants to do in me, that's what I want, to, want him to do. I'm just a servant. Hallelujah. See, now, I'm, now, now when I hear that, I go, ooh, something's wrong because th- th- that's fine on the front end, but you need to say, and what, what's the practical part? You plan to get a job, right? You plan to advance how? It's that adding that natural part to it is so important, and I think sometimes practical planning is not a part of our life. I frustrate some leaders when I... T- when I teach leadership, because I, I, I no, okay, I, I'm pastor, I know you love God. We know you feel the, you want to teach. What series are you going to teach? I want to teach on the five God. I said, okay, the fire of God. All right, now, what, what are we going to learn about the fire of God? It's hot. Okay, it's hot. Okay, we got hot fire from God. I got that. But tell me how that's going to practically help your church live. They're going to know how to walk in the spirit and cast out demons. And, and okay, okay, we're going off the cliff. I get this. I mean, and I believe in all that. But I'm trying to get to the part where we're going to live a life and not just have a bunch of cliches. Tell me how to manage my life. Tell me how to manage my children. Tell me how to walk every day. Tell me how to get along with people. Give me some practical strategies. And somehow I, I, I think that gets lost. And so, so we just, when I hear a person say, I'm, I'm waiting on God, give me a husband. Okay, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I'm waiting on the Lord. Okay, here's, here's some good things to maybe do while waiting. You know what I'm saying? Um, look happy. Take care of yourself. Look, look marryable. You know what I'm saying? This is the practical things you do. You know, I'm, and I, I know that can sound so simple, but <clears throat> I want God to bless me with finances. Okay, God. Bless me financially. Okay, good temple, good prayer. Now, let's talk about how you're going to make some money and not wait for God to rain it down from heaven. Everybody say practical planning. Come on. That's why you need somebody in your life who who pulls you in and looks at you and says, okay, you with me? Are you grounded? All right. Number five. I love this. I would fight to put all my money, listen to me, this is so important, all my money decisions in a broader arena of judgment. I would not manage my money alone. 
I would take my money and find a safe way to include smarter people in the process so that I'm not functioning alone. When you function alone, especially when you get to certain levels of income, you will not make good choices. You need somebody to bounce it off of that doesn't want to take it, but that wants to help you. <clears throat> the idea that you work independent is a very American concept. Very, very American. I'm, I'm American. I'm very proud to be an American. I want you to hear me. Isolating yourself in a family. You take a husband and a wife and put them in a family and say, make it. No help from outside. No input. No voices. You're doing it all by yourself. That's why you're having trouble. If you're going to start a business, you need to have all that on the table. They need to know. <clears throat> if you come to me and say, I want, to help, I want you to help me uh, start a business, give me some suggestions. Okay, let's put your income, your expenses, and your personal life, and your capital, all that on the table. This is how you do it in business. And we talk about everything. So that if I see you starting a business and you've got a $50,000 startup for the business, and you borrowed all that from everybody, and you got another $25,000 in credit card debt, but I don't know about it. And then you ask me my opinion. Well, the Lord led me to start a business. He did, really. Well, the Lord leads you to put all this money on the table so we can see. There's something about uh, having a broader area of judgment. Say that with me, please. Come on. A broader area of judgment. You have to stop thinking by myself. If you knew enough, you'd be there. And you can, you can be fortunate. You can be pretty smart. You may get way down the road, but you will come to a place where you will need somebody to talk to you. And I just think, it, in, in hindsight, that's important. If I can say this with humility, I was pretty gifted compared to some. I did pretty well compared to some. I can sniff out opportunity compared to some. But I ran into a place where I ran out of wisdom. You always run out of wisdom. You may, you may, have, you may, you may have a fancy car. You may have a great life. But you're running out of space. And if you have the philosophy, my business, my life, I'm not saying tell everybody. But can God bring anybody in your life? Is there anybody that can talk to you? Is there anybody that can say, hey, come on? I mean, I mean it's, it's just, it's, just it's, it's, it's the way God works. Number six, I would fight to be more physically fit <clears throat> and surround myself with a team of people who are committed to that. Now, I'm fairly fit. I'm doing a good job. I'm working. <clears throat> my numbers look good. I, can, I thought about telling you my numbers. Because I at least know them. I know my blood pressure is. I know my cholesterol is. And I can go on down the road. I know a whole lot about my, my numbers. Do you know where you are physically? If you don't know, how do you know you're Okay. How do you know you're okay? How do you know you're okay? And I understand <clears throat> this is one of the reasons why I really believe healthcare is so important because 
There are a lot of people who are good people who really and truly are not committed to physical fitness. You're committed to prayer. You're real comfortable talking about praying because you don't have to walk. <laughs> You're comfortable talking about other people's issues. But your body changes. I used to get up in the morning, I'll tell you when I used to get up in the morning, and I used to get up, man, I used to get out of the bed and I would go running. I mean, a year ago, year, year about a year ago, I can get up, get up, I, I need breakfast. I can just get up, go outside, hit it, right out the bed. Boom. I did that a year ago. I got out there and got lightheaded. <laughs> so, so then I said, this is the devil. This is the, no, it wasn't the devil. It was, it was called, go eat something first. Things have changed, Mr. Ricky. The fight has changed. Say that with me, please. Come on. The fight has changed. So I had to figure it out. Like this little bug following me around here. You see? <laughs> you got to figure it out. You got to fight your way forward. But if you don't know, and I keep saying this, if you don't know, this is not faith. My son said something profound the other day. I told him I wasn't going to give him credit, but he did. You know, you said faith without works is dead. He said, no, dad, not just that. Working without faith. I've got to, I've got to work believing that what I'm doing really, really makes a difference. And I'm telling you right now, for some of you, if you want to live a healthy life, you want God to bless you. You're going to have to think about your physical fitness. And, and that's just not going to happen without you being clear about it. Here's the last one. You ready? I would fight up close. I would fight to get what I call, underline this. I didn't bold it in your notes. Up close mentoring. Say that with me, please. Come on. Up close. After I enter certain seasons, I don't need people to advise me who don't know me. I need people that are up close and who know me, know me, know me, know me. This is the reason why a lot of businesses don't succeed Families don't succeed. Churches don't succeed because you're talking from a distance. The Bible said when Jesus saw the fig tree from afar, it looked great. But up close. If I want to help a student, what are your grades? Show me your grades. Let me let me read your paper. Let me see how you write. Let me let me know you. Let me know you. You want me to help you? Let me know you. Let somebody know you. I've said that a lot of ways. You get that? Say amen. amen. Now, this, as I close, is what I think is one of the most amazing concepts that I've studied this whole week and prayed about. I was fighting things in the past that I didn't know I was fighting. When I look back, can you think back in your life to times when you were in fights and did not know you were in a fight? You were depressed and didn't know you were depressed. You were frustrated and didn't know you were frustrated. If you don't know that you're in a fight, you won't fight the right fight. You will spend your time frustrated. For example, you ready? And these are really personal. After my mother died, I did not know that I needed to go talk to somebody. I was in a fight, and, and here's, here's, here's my philosophy. Okay, so you're raised all these years with this woman, right? It's just the two of you. 
And so your mother can die, and you think that somehow you're Superman, keep preaching, keep going, never go to counseling, never talk to anybody, you're fine. Now, I'm not saying I didn't do okay, but in hindsight, when I look back, I can say, you're a little bit off. You were, you, you were fighting something and didn't know you were fighting it. Now, to everybody else, you look strong, fine. But there are seasons in your life that you reach when you're in a fight and you don't know you're in one. How many of you know people right now that are in fights and they don't know they're in it? Raise your hand. You know people, cousins, brothers, sisters. They're in a fight. They're fighting something. And you look at them and you say, when you see them, you say, how you doing? Fine. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not like you used to be. There's something about where you are right now that you can't recognize. That's why you need to open the door a little bit. Second thing, when I reached a certain income, $45,000 was the number for me. I felt guilty. I struggled with it. I felt rich and somewhat confused. Now, you may say, why? I just did. I don't know what your number is. Some of you say, well, I'm not there yet. Fine. But I promise you, you can get to a number. It could be, a, it could be marriage. It could be a child. It could be an income level. It could be a certain level of exposure. And I mentioned that. Be, being well known, being spoken to by eight out of ten of the people you meet and they know your name and you don't know them, that's emotional. Everywhere you go, they all know you almost. So you go into a store assuming, hi, pastor, hi, pastor, hi, pastor, hi, pastor, hi, pastor, hi, how are you? Who 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 are you? I heard you, 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 I watch you, I watch you, I watch you, I see, I see. Emotionally, there is something that happens to you. You get it at school, right? You go, everybody knows you. Everybody knows your name. Everybody, there's something about that. And I don't know for you where that was, but for me, <clears throat> I was fighting some stuff, and I didn't know I was fighting it. Insecurity. If I get, if I get dressed and go to the store, I, you, know, you know you put your sloppiest stuff on? Man, I think about it. I think everybody's going to see me. I can't go out there looking like that. They might take a picture. Look at that dude. He's looking awful today. Sometimes I don't care. But, you know, there's that moment where you, 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 you dress it up a little bit more, Temple. Come on. Don't, don't, oh, uh, I, for a long time, I could not preach in without having a suit on. I felt I was out of uniform. And I think I do look good in a suit. But I should not emotionally be tied to a suit. See, there's a difference. Wearing a suit's one thing, but being emotionally tied. Some of you are like this. Some of you women, you can't go outside without your makeup on. Your hair got to be, I mean, you spend 30 minutes trying to, you know, get your eyebrows right. You spend another 30 minutes on your feet. You spend another, you know, you, it can become an obsession. Anybody with me? Everything can become an obsession. And you lose the ability to see that you've become a person fighting with insecurity, fighting with fear. And so in my heart and in my mind, I had to realize, Temple, you're fighting fights and don't know you're fighting them. And so I want to ask you what you're fighting. I want you to go think about that. Sometimes you're mad with your wife and it's not your wife. 
You, you're, you're mad with your sons, your children, your grandchildren, and it's not them. It's you. It's the season you're in. Nobody's doing you wrong. It's the season you're in. And you're picking fights and you're fighting here, here, the wrong fight. It's not them. You're, you, you're railing in on your kids and you're railing in on the boss and you're railing in and you're, you're, you're hard on people and it's, it's, you're fighting the wrong fight. You wouldn't even fight this fight if you had another experience. If somebody has set me down and said, listen, Temple, $45,000 is not rich, okay? <laughs> You're not rich. And, and, and let me, let me can, if I, can I be really transparent for a second? I was being paid by church. I should just donate my life. Should all be free. Oh, yeah, you struggle with that. You struggle. So, I, but that's totally wrong. Wrong. Come on, say amen. It's wrong, baby. <laughs> it's, but emotionally, <clears throat> you care. Somebody, somebody told my daughter once she was little, they came home and said, uh, Can I ask you a question, Daddy? How do you get your money? The kids told me. She was a little kid. Had a little, little, they told me you stole the money out the offering plate. <laughs> That's how you get your money. Where your money come from? Okay. That's unfair. The labor is worthy of his what? Hire. One more time. The labor is worthy of his what? Hire. I'm not trying to make a salary argument here. I'm just trying to make a point. It's really, it can be emotional. And what happens to a lot of pastors and churches, they start fighting. He goes off and does his own thing. You've seen it, right? He, all over the world, gone everywhere, overtime money, always gone, never home. And it becomes his world against their world. And the bigger the church gets, the bigger the fight. And I can name them. I can name ministers. I can name churches where the tension, because they were not balanced in this area of life, and he never got over it. And he becomes emotional. And all you got to do is have a deacon board. Our church is not like this. Have a group of people that are unfair and that can really make it hard for you. I don't want to abuse anybody, but I think it's important to understand how you would feel. Switch places. So there's a moment in life when I realized I had to get past that. If I can go another step, as now you know, asking you for an offering. <laughs> who wants to do that? I mean, who wants, who wants to get up and say, you know, um, give money? Hand me the microphone, would you please, for a second? You know, who wants, who wants to do that? Who wants, who wants to get up and ask people for an offering? Who wants to, who wants to do that? You know, it, it's like nobody wants to do that. You know, you're, you're, you're hammy enough. Come up here for a second. You're hammy. You're hammy. You know, he's a, he doesn't mind. He'll be fine. Here. Ask him for some money. Go for it. Shoot for it. Give me some money. <laughs> Go for it, man. You got to do better than that. Hold on. Let me coach him along, man. Come on. Gotta look. Come on. Now. Try it again. Try it again. Is his mic on? He needs the mic on. The mic is on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ask him for some money. Go Are for you guys it. listening? Today we need something. It's your money. We need your... You, I don't know. You, you, you and them. You and them. We need your money. For what? <laughs> See? Notice, notice, you don't, this, isn't this tough? They're looking at you. It's, it's tough. Yeah, thank you. Give him a big hand. Come on. A big hand. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I got in trouble. I got in trouble. You all right? You heal him, Jesus. Heal him. <laughs> there are a lot of things that are emotional. In every job. 
So you got to get up here now, and when it's offering time, you got to come with some fancy words. You didn't preach the whole sermon right now. Okay, now it's offering time. And so they have a lot of the clap, everybody clap, everybody's off. Yeah, we have little phrases and all that stuff. Who wants to do all that? I mean, who wants to? I mean, you want to do it? You want to get up here and do that? You want to get up here and say, hey, come on, I saw an angel. He had a wing, $5.99 under his wing. God told me to tell you to get $5.99. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want you to see the value in what we do. I want you to see the value of pooling our resources. I want you to see the power of tithing and offering and honor God and do it on your own. Come on. Come on, amen. I want you to do it on your own. I mean, come on, clap your hand if you hear what I'm saying to you. I want you to, I want you to see it as an investment in what we're trying to do. We have to believe in the cause. We, we fight together. We tithe. We all give offering. And, 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 and there's a lot of pressure when I just put you on the spot. So just ask them for money. And then the way, here's how you look. And, and listen to me, rightly so. Because here's what you want to say. Give you money for what? We should have already settled that. We should have already settled why we do what we do. So my point is, all that's emotional. And I got to close. Give me four things. Ready? Four things. Four things that I would fight for. Four fights that can change your life. You ready? Number one. Four fights that can change your life. And, and these are from Matthew 13. And I want you to just kind of, I'm not going to read the text. It's Matthew 13. It's the parable of the sower. And, and in this parable, I, I, I had this great revelation about four fights you want to fight. Number one. First of all, fight off the temptation to listen to everybody. Say that with me, please. Come on. Fight off the temptation to listen to everybody. The parable of the sower is pretty simple. The Bible said the sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed the seed in the soil, an enemy came and stole the soil, stole the seed out of the soil. The wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown. Have you ever had something sown in your mind, told to you, and then you, you forgot it? And you said, I knew better than that, right? I was told that. I was, it was clear to me. And now I allowed it to be stolen from me, a truth I clearly understood. I knew not to get this much debt. I was clear. Why did I do it? How did, I, how did it get stolen from my mind? Secondly, I would fight off shallow celebrations. It goes on in the parable of the sower and says the guy was... Um, one guy, it, it is, what it describes rather is different ways of sowing. And he uses the word sowing because in their day, farming was a big part of the life. And so sowing seed was important. So he describes that, he, he first of all says the first guy is the guy who sows the seed and it falls by the wayside, which means if it doesn't ever fall on the path. It's, it never reaches its destination. That's the guy whose seed was stolen. The second guy is the guy who receives seed on the stony ground, stony places. This is Matthew 13, 20. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root, no root. Next verse, verse 21. He's shallow. The seed falls in the soil, but it's shallow. It doesn't, it doesn't ever have a, it doesn't go down, the rocks block it, it never roots. I would fight off shallow celebration. He'd be happy, he's happy, he's ecstatic, but it's shallow has no root. Are you, are you a depthless, D-E-P-T-H-less celebrator? You get really happy really fast over nothing almost or anything, and then you're not happy again? I would fight off the temptation to listen to everybody, because what happens is sometimes you listen to everybody, they'll take from you your values. If you're not careful, your parents can teach you something, Throw it on the right path. You get around the wrong crowd, they'll snatch it from you. Secondly, I would fight off the temptation to celebrate with, without thought. 
get really excited, but not really clear and, and, and precise. I've got so excited about the wrong things. Number three, I'd fight off bad appetites. Verse 22 says, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes what? Unfruitful. I want, you to, I want you to make sure you're following me for a minute. The first one, verse 18, is the guy who sows seed on the wayside. The second one is the guy who sows seed on the stony places and the stones stop the seed from grabbing root. The third guy is the guy who sows seed among the thorns. And he says in verse 22, he who receives, Matthew 13, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. I love the way he says this, choke the word. It's, it, it, it's an, it's, there's a strong appetite for the world and for fun and for pleasure, and it chokes out all reasoning. And you're not, you know, all you, all you want to do is feel good. And you go from one feel-good relationship to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. But then there's, there's, there's one that I love. I would fight off temptation to listen to everybody. I would, if I can go back, fight off uh, shallow celebrations. I would fight off bad appetites. And I would fight off being, the, and I, I use this term, forgive me, the dumbest person in the room. There are times I've been so uninformed. I love the way verse 23 closes out Matthew 13. Here's what he says. He who receives the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and what? That is my prayer. Lord, help me understand. Help me. Now, not just feel good about a decision. Not just feel good about a place. I don't want to just be excited about it. I want to make sure that I'm not functioning without roots, that what I'm saying and doing is unsustainable because it will never root. I need to be careful that I'm not the kind of person who has been robbed. Something was explained to me and I have forgotten it. I am so amazed at how many times I missed it. I'm shocked. I don't know about you. I don't know, I've fought the wrong fight so many times. And it's taken me a while to learn how to fight the right way. And next week, I'll talk about fighting the right way. And I'll show you how to fight and how to win and what to fight. It's going to be great, people. Thank you for coming. Let's bow our heads. Praise God. <laughs> Father, I thank you for what we've talked about today. I thank you for all that's been discussed. Bless your people. Some of them have been wrestling with flesh and blood. The husband, the wife, the children, the boss. It's not, a spirit. It's, not, it's not all about that. We have to fight the right fight. Some of us are in fights and we don't even know we're in it. There are things we need to fight off that we are not fighting off. We got these appetites that are running out of control. We're happy about the wrong things. And we really don't understand where we are. Help me not be the most unwise person in the room. Help me, God, 
I'll wake up in 10 years and say, what in the world was I doing? Some of us could look back 10 years and say that. But may that not be true for the next 10 years. Touch that married couple that's at the end of the rope. But the problem is not the marriage. The problem is not the husband nor the wife. They don't know where the real fight is. They think it's with each other, and that's not where the fight is. Lord, I pray for the person facing financial challenge. They think the fight requires more money, and that's not what they need. They're fighting the wrong fight. They're trying to do overtime and trying to get more jobs, and but that's the wrong fight. Some believe the man who left them hurt them is what, who they should fight. So they're mean to their ex-husband, they're mean to their ex-wife. That's not what a fight is. Father, I pray we leave here today and fight the right fight. Hallelujah. Lift your hand. That's a good word. Lift your hand. That's a healing word right there for some of you. Just take a minute. Take a minute. Lord, help us to hear that. Fight the right fight. The right way. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you, Savior, today. Let this be the beginning of a new life for them. Let them start a new life with Jesus. Let this be that transforming moment. Their life will never be the same. In Jesus' name. May they say, Lord, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. From this moment forward, I need you in my life. I need a new walk with God. I need to start a new day. Every head bowed, every hand down for just a moment. If that's you, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Say, that's me, Pastor. Pray that prayer for me. That prayer you just prayed, I see you, I see you. Anybody else? I see you, I see you. Anybody else? That prayer's for me, Pastor. I need that prayer for me. Start a life with Jesus today. Get my life going in the right direction. I think I see you. Father, touch all these whose hands are up and their hearts are up and those who are watching from home. Let this be that moment. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. My time is up. I'm so done. I got to